Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me for the first time in the school year 2022 to 2023, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, how has your year started, my friend? Uh, It has been great. Uh, I have... Uh, what I think is a great group of students. My sixth graders are very funny. They have great senses of humor. Uh, and, you know, they've been rolling with the punches, which is all that I can ask for on the first week of school. On the very first day, uh, my Chromebook overheated and my smart board was upside down. So it's all uphill from there. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's been smooth sailing since then. So I think I got it all out of the way. So we have uh, two new administrators in our building. And our principal is in her second year uh, as as a as a principal, and so there's there's a, a few wrinkles that are still being ironed out. But I have to say, we are so fortunate that our assistant principals were both quiz bowl coaches. I I believe we are we are the only middle school program in the history of quiz bowl to ever have two assistant principals that were both quiz bowl coaches, and I couldn't be more excited about our our uh, our school year that's coming up and our and our program this year um so mr t last year you taught five classes you're not teaching five classes i'm teaching year, four right? uh okay. which has allowed me to do a little bit of uh standing in for some people who have needed some coverage uh but it has also been an interesting uh you know scheduling thing i think a lot of kids are getting used to the rotating schedules if your school does rotating schedules with middle schoolers, then you know that uh, the first week is always probably the most fun week uh, because you'll have kids just, you know, going absolutely anywhere and uh, showing up to gym when they're supposed to be in chorus, showing up to math when they're supposed to be in social studies. And that's just kind of a fun experience. I bet the anxiety level is a little high up there. The eighth graders, on the other hand, if they're just not where they're supposed to be, they don't they don't care. They're like, okay, whatever, I guess I'll just go somewhere else they um they have definitely learned to roll with the punches uh, as you said but on this episode today since it's the start of the school year we thought it would be a good idea to talk about some of the things that we do or that we're going to do in order to make sure that our school year gets off to a good start so we are going to talk about setting expectations for your team making sure you can spread the word to increase membership if need be we're going to talk about the importance of coordinating a schedule with some of the other coaches in your region. We'll look at things we do at our opening meeting, talk about the importance of meeting with parents, and we'll also discuss a placement test. So, Ken, when you thought about starting the year, uh, tell me genuinely, what was your first thought? What did you feel like you had to do first? Well, this year is a little different than other years we've had. We had so many great eighth graders that we've lost. So, and I feel, you know, that's common. That's common with teams around the country. You might have a really strong player or a really good group, and then you have to rebuild a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we certainly have talent uh, still, but there's always that feeling of like starting from scratch mm-hmm. and I'm sure you feel this way as a teacher too, mm-hmm. Andrew, by the end of the year as a, as a writing teacher, reading you know, teacher, but kids. I, 
I, I know okay. exactly what you mean. Okay, sorry. In, in our I, I would say you're in a writing geek. I would say the thing about writing is, um, well, having taught seventh grade and tenth and twelfth grade and all those all all kinds of grades where I was teaching both reading and writing, uh, the difference between a student at the start of the year and at the end of the year sometimes is night and day. Um, you've you've taught into so many of their weaknesses. You've uh, directly like lectured on certain things that you know, maybe aren't just your like personal pet peeves. They're things that like, Hey, you're going to need to know how to, you know, organize an argument. And if they have that by the end of the year, reading their writing or just listening to them speak, like it sounds like a structured, you know, like you're like, wow, I can really follow the logic. Everything really uh, supports each other. And then you have that fresh crop the next year who doesn't know how to do any of those exactly. things. And so, uh, teaching geometry, we, we have them do proofs and it takes a lot of work to get them to a certain point. But we get to that point where, okay, let's do the proof and everyone understands how we start, where we're going, the mm-hmm. the tools we use to get from where we start to where we want to go. And then the next group comes in and they're basically like, what's a line segment? Okay, we got to start over again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a geography expert last year mm-hmm. and we never had to worry about a geography question because we had Roman and now there are geography questions that go dead in practice and we realize hey, we you know we have to do this again and i know i've said this i've said this before i've i've given them notes but i gave that to people that aren't here anymore mm-hmm. we do history lectures and this is the first group of students that haven't heard the first set of history lectures so when something comes up about mohenjo-daro they haven't heard of that before because that's the first lecture in the series is your impulse at this point to to go like ah, I, i've talked about that and then you stop yourself and you go i haven't talked about that yet actually <laughs> precisely so so when you ask me you know how am i approaching the start of the year i'm thinking you know it's a you know we have we have a, a an open field that, that mm-hmm. that's been fallow and now we have to you know, sow it and and uh, and treat it and look for the crops at the end of the year. So that that is how I'm approaching mm-hmm. the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. I think for me, one of the things that, like, and every school probably has some sort of small stuff like this, but we don't have our late buses for the first two weeks. So kids can't really stay after school. Extracurriculars don't really start up. And that has me thinking a lot about the importance of consistent meeting dates and locations uh, I, I definitely have been in my fair share of clubs that are like looking for any stray room they can be in, uh, trying to meet on any uh, any possible day or in any possible place where people will have them. I think this is a like a running trope for Dungeons and Dragons groups is that it's impossible to find a day where everybody can meet. Um, but I think if you have the ability to make your quiz bowl meeting, it's on Mondays, it's on Wednesdays, it's on Thursdays. Uh, and just have that locked in for the entire year and say, okay, if you can't come on that day, that's okay, but we're going to be there. Uh, I think that's a really strong message to send. And I think it's a lot easier for kids to remember uh, and parents to remember that Quiz Bowl is this day uh, rather than saying like, oh, look out for the email in your inbox. That's going to tell you when the next meeting is. So that consistency is key. I couldn't agree with that more. Couldn't agree with that more. And if... 
if you're starting a program or maybe you had one last year and that was your first year, what Andrew just said is absolutely important. We picked Thursdays way back 10 years ago and now everyone in Middlesex knows Thursday is Quiz Bowl. I've had other teachers come to me and say, you know, I'm thinking of doing this thing after school on a Thursday. Is that going to conflict with you? And I'll tell them, whatever you want to do, you can do, but just understand you're going to force students to make a choice. I'm not moving my date. Mm-hmm. We have we have 70 kids who came to a practice last year. I'm not moving my date. So if you're going to take Thursday, just know you're, you might create a conflict with some of the kids on the team. And so what happens is a lot of other teachers end up moving their activity to another date. Now, that happens when you've become established. But part of becoming established is having that consistency week after week. Everyone knows Thursday is Quiz Bowl day. And that's what it is at Middlesex. Mm-hmm. I think we also see more students come in the morning, too, on Thursdays, just because they're like, oh, they have it in their mindset. Like, that's just the day for it. So, Andrew, as we were uh, preparing for this uh, this podcast, you talked about uh, the elevator pitch. Can mm-hmm. you just explain what an elevator pitch is and what the elevator pitch would be for coaches that are interested in growing their program? Sure. So an elevator pitch is uh, basically when you're trying to sell a business or a startup, something like that. Think like Silicon Valley. Uh, you have basically what your invention or what your idea is in 60 seconds, 45 seconds. And so uh, having an elevator pitch for Quiz Bowl is really useful. Uh, it's basically like when you get in an elevator with admin or a principal or uh, a bunch of parents and you have 40 seconds as the elevator is going from the third floor to the first floor, how do you talk about Quiz Bowl in that 40 seconds when you have that captive audience? Uh, for me, my elevator pitch for Quiz Bowl goes something like this. Uh, it's a really fun, academic, challenging sport uh, that kids do on teams. It's kind of like Jeopardy, but you're on a team with a bunch of your classmates. Uh, and you buzz in, and you answer questions, and we're really good. So you get to have a lot of fun and win trophies. How would you make that pitch to uh, one of your students? Mm-hmm. So, Andrew, you, you teach sixth grade. Yes. You have a sixth grader that heard that you coach quiz bowl maybe they have someone in class that also does it and mm-hmm. just to you like so what what exactly is it for a sixth grader i think i would focus on uh how fun it is that it's like a game show uh, i would ask them if they ever watch jeopardy with their parents or their family uh, i'd ask them if they like trivia games things like that and i would say well quiz bowl is basically that but you play on a team with a bunch of other uh friends that you have and you just answer questions and you play against another team of sixth graders or seventh graders. And uh, I would probably start with a story. I'd probably tell them the story of how a bunch of our middle schoolers like trounce high schoolers all the time. And uh, it's I, important to have this this elevator pitch mm-hmm. if you are looking to increase your membership. Mm-hmm. If you've, as we talked about before, lost a bunch of eighth graders and or lost a bunch of seniors and, and now you're looking to get some Because the question that they're asking is, what is Quiz Bowl? And so you saying Quiz Bowl is like, a, it's it's competitive, but it's not athletic. So if you want to do like, you know, mind sports, those kinds of things, like a lot of people do like speech and debate or like science Olympiad, those kinds of things. Uh, Quiz Bowl definitely fits in with that group of 
like pre-established uh, like things that are competitive and you can win in, but things that aren't requiring you to throw a ball really well or run really fast. And you're going to see students that you want to join your program, but you also want other teachers mm-hmm. to see kids that you want to join your program or some of your other players that are going to recruit their friends and you want them to have that quick elevator pitch. Hey, it's like Jeopardy, but with teams. Come on, it's really fun. You'll have fun. You get to mm-hmm. press a, a big red button when you know something mm-hmm. and everyone everyone just gets to see how smart you are. Yeah. I, I think the actual the pitch for teachers is actually even easier because when I'm pitching it to a teacher, I always just say, you know, these are kids that love to learn and are excited when you tell them to write something down. And for 90% of teachers, I think the opportunity to get to work with those kinds of students in a really like fast-paced, fun environment is a reward in and of itself. Oh, I agree. And tell them, tell them uh, about the the sheer joy that you'll feel when they answer a question about something that they just did in your class, mm-hmm. because they know that you, and you know, the coaches, you know, this, you know, that when a player buzzes in and, and gets an answer and said, we just did that in biology, you know, we just did that in social studies. Like I always say, and I don't know about you, Andrew, I always say, make sure you tell Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. Mm-hmm. So-and-so that you just got a question from their class. They're going to be really happy to hear that. Absolutely. So I think having that elevator pitch is one easy thing you can do, especially because I think it's easy to have a misconception about what Quizwell practice is. If, if you're not the one controlling what the message is there or what the messaging is there, people might go, oh, what is that, like an after-school study club where you guys just study and you just sit quietly and study? And if people haven't actually walked, walked in and seen like the very, very fun chaos that is a game of Quizwell then, you know, they, they might be justified in having that opinion. So you definitely need to recruit new players, and word of mouth is always going to be the best, uh, the best way to do that. Better than hanging up flyers. If people know your program and, and can talk about your program with this elevator pitch to get people to, uh, to join, um, you're, you're going to be in good shape. Once you have your players... It is important that you set expectations uh, and you set routines. We talked about keeping a day of the week set where this is the day for quiz bowl practice. But more than that, you should start to think about how you're going to structure your practices. We had a great podcast on leveling up your practice that we encourage you to listen to with uh, a whole bunch of different ideas. Um, And, you know, try different things too. Don't, you know, don't have to stick with something. Uh, if, especially if you're not enjoying it, the kids aren't enjoying it, and you find something else that's more fun. But but make sure players know um, what the expectations are when you when they walk in. Do they set up the desks immediately? Do they set up the buzzers immediately? Is there something else that that they do first? And um, and one of the biggest rules and guidelines and expectations for us is respecting equipment. I have trained our our players that when it comes to our buzzers, there are three things they need to know. They're expensive. They're they're fragile. And they're vital to our success. So expensive, fragile, and vital to our success. And they have to repeat that when when Ken does his whole spiel at the start of the year. He's like, I want you to repeat after me. The buzzers are expensive. And then expensive from the back. 
fragile, fragile, vital to our success, vital to our success. And then they'll, they'll say it to each other later, jokingly, as they like almost spill the buzzers over. And it becomes basically like a meme, but it's 100% true. So, And they do police themselves a little bit. Which is which is important because you know you can you can get angry with them and that doesn't mean anything. But when players get angry with each other over, hey, dude, those are fragile, expensive, and vital to our success. Like, mm-hmm. okay, sorry, I'll stop. Yeah, I'll stop doing that. Uh, we do uh, at the very start of practice. We have our current events. We have questions every single week. Uh, I think it would be great if you have uh, just like a question of the day, buzz phrase of the day, power of the day, something that you do always at the start of practice, just like warm up and have them learn one thing just off the bat. Um, Even if it is uh, literally just one question that like came up in your classes or something like that, or you just read one question from a packet, I think just having some sort of a a small intro activity uh, or something where like maybe you have uh, like we have like some computer screens around the school and you have like a daily quiz bowl question that kind of thing uh, can help you like uh, open the door for people who are like oh what is quiz bowl I get the daily question right every day you know um, but it can also be uh, just a way to you know you, there's 180 days in a school year so you might as well learn something every day so I'd actually love to hear from uh, from you guys. So if you have things that you do uh, during practice each week that are part of your routines that you found are successful and fun, um, send them in. We'd love to we'd love to hear them. Uh, and we'll happily share them because uh, we're all about trying to make everybody, you know, every team out there better. And have more fun. If you've got like practice methods that are like really like battle tested like your kids absolutely love these these different methodologies then uh send those in as well uh those are at least as valuable if not more because if you're not having fun at quiz bowl you're not going to show up so early in the year not only do you set routines and expectations about how you want your practices to go and how you want players to um, handle themselves in practice but you should also set realistic goals for your team and have players uh, set realistic goals. Mr. T, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think uh, something that I have I've heard of being done in other uh, like extracurricular activities that I really like and kind of want to steal is uh, players just like choosing a rival. <laughs> uh, it, it, it sounds kind of hokey or like, uh, like it wouldn't work very well, but actually I think uh, that, that, you know, flame of individual competition works pretty well when it's applied to something like quiz bowl like hey this person's also studying my content area they they also do geography and so we're rivals like every week i'll quiz them on some things and see what they know and see what i know and we'll see who's better Uh, i think having someone to run with you like a running partner uh makes you run a lot farther right there's that old saying if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together uh, I think choosing a rival or having having friends that are in your classes, things like that, that you can talk to pretty regularly about quiz bowl stuff is going to make you uh, be more successful in the long run. You know, as, as you're saying that, I, I wonder if, because that's not something that we did last year, mm-hmm. but as I'm thinking about it, there were some natural rivalries that, mm-hmm. that formed of players on our, on our in our program that pushed each other. 
and and got the most out of each other. And and I'll also say, like as programs, you know, we have rivals, and <clears throat> and I'd like to think that that without really communicating much, we do push each other as well. It's mm-hmm. a really interesting idea. I don't think you can discount the 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 power of motivating a middle schooler by their desire to be better than someone else or you know faster and it, like they can directly go like yeah beat josh yeah josh you know i got there faster than you ha see you next week <laughs> and then what do you think josh is gonna do josh is gonna go home and study for five hours so you've got you've created a virtuous cycle of you know two kids studying and enjoying it and having a direct uh feedback from that one of the other important things to do at the beginning of the year is to kind of plan out what your year is going to look like as far as your tournament schedule. And if you are fortunate enough to play in a state or in a region that has a lot of structure, and this is not something you need to worry about because somebody will set the schedule or maybe you're even part of a committee that will set the schedule. But for many of us, and that's, that's the case up here in Connecticut, it's a little bit of the wild west and so one of the things that i try to do at the beginning of the year is plan out when we might host a tournament and anybody else in the region that has hosted before i try to coordinate with them so we have our our friends in teaneck that have run a tournament and you know, we we spent I, I spent about a week trying to coordinate with them and with our school uh, a date for our tournament. It's it's a little bit of a hassle, but in the long run, it, it's worth it because you want to make sure enough teams can come to any tournament you want to host. You're able to bring teams to other tournaments, and there's no overlapping of of packets. Now, for high school quiz bowl, you do have a lot more choice in in the in the packets you might want to use middle school not so much there are, are starting to we are starting to see some some alternatives to NAQT <clears throat> but you want to make sure that you you have a, a, a schedule that'll let you get to three or four regular season tournaments throughout the year and so I encourage you to reach out to other coaches in the area and try to pin down some dates or at least get a get a ballpark so you know there's one in the one in the fall, one in the winter, you know, one or two in the spring. Um, just so you uh, you're able to hear as many questions as possible, you're good. You're able to attend as many tournaments as possible. I know that you have had a, a very very easy go of it this year scheduling the Charter Oak tournament for 2022. Ken, how how easy has it been for you, an experienced tournament director? to schedule this year's tournament? Uh, yeah, it's been a breeze. Um, first, the, the first thing I, I, I want to avoid, and I, because I've made this mistake before, do you want to avoid a date where they're giving an SAT? And that's even if you're running a middle school tournament because a lot of those, the same players, they, they take them. More importantly, a lot of my staff are my alumni who take them. And... I've had to move that date in the past because it was an SAT date. So I, I moved um, because it was an SAT. The so second that's, thing that's was, one date down. Right. You said, ah, this weekend yeah. looks perfect. Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
but nope, it's out. So November, what was it like November 5th out SAT date. So then I said, okay, how about November 12th? Well, it turns out that that is, um, veterans day weekend or something. And a lot of the New Jersey schools have a, like, a like some sort of like long weekend or something. And so many of the, the kids won't be able to go the, the coaches are doing something with their union or I, I don't quite know. So half of the teams that I'd want to come might not be able to show up. So that date out. I said, all right, well, how about November 19th? And it turns out that one of our captains won't be available that date. And like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to roll with uh, our tournament, the one that we are hosting without one of our captains. So we had to change that. <clears throat> So I decided, okay, let's look in January. And the one of the people I reached out to was a, the coach from Teaneck, Jeff Keitel, who runs his own tournament. and said, oh, we're looking at this date. And he said, well, we were looking at this date too. So I said, all right, then you could take that date and I'll take something in December, like December 3rd. Oh, wait, that's an SAT date. So we got we to gotta move off the 3rd. So we kind of settled in on December 10th. And that's just a long-winded way of saying, you know, there's a lot of research that you might have to do if you're if you're planning to host something, but you you have to do it, and it's worth it because the last thing you want to do is pick a date that doesn't work for a a really important subgroup of people, your staff, your best players, your opponents. So spend a little time um, as the season is beginning, looking into what dates will work for you if you're going to host and what other tournaments are available in your region. So you have uh, some dates in mind where you're going to play some tournaments. You have some players that are motivated and looking forward to you've, you've convinced them to come to practice and you're holding your first meeting. So what should your first meeting look like? Well, you, there's a lot of information that you might want to disseminate to them. Things like when you meet, what you do, what your expectations are. But the other question that you might be asking is to give a placement test or not to give a placement test. Now, Andrew, we give a placement test. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of fun. And the placement test that we have is 143 questions all on Google form. Mm -hmm. which is makes it easier to go. Oh, it, it's, it's, if you are not using Google form for something like a placement test, if, if you, uh, subjected some poor intern to grading these tests or worse, you subjected yourself to grading these, uh, I absolutely have to put in a pitch for Google forms. It will automatically score all of these things for you, put them in order. You can export it to an Excel sheet. Uh, Google forms, I think is the future for many different forms of voting or potentially like, you know, quizzes, things like that. So Google Forms is, is amazing and not very difficult to use. So there are some pros and cons to having a placement test. And in my mind, the pros outweigh the, uh, outweigh the cons. So why wouldn't you do it? First of all, if you're going to hold a test that basically says you need this grade to be on the team or not, then we're, we're parting ways because I don't agree with that. I would... I would rather struggle to find something to do for too many kids than tell players that want to be part of our program 
you're not smart enough to be here, mm-hmm. especially in middle school mm-hmm. when kids are really just kind of looking for a place to go and, and a group to be a part of. And something to put their effort towards. That's what we're really wanna... looking for in sixth grade, especially is motivated people who want to learn a lot of things. I, I don't want to close my doors to any of those people. I mean, you know, just just think about the players that are, you know, your teammates or the, the players that are on your team. And just just imagine some of them if they didn't have Quiz Bowl, just how difficult an experience middle school already is. And now you're telling them, no, you you didn't you didn't know all of the things that I arbitrarily picked for mm-hmm. for that I thought you know so we don't we don't want you mm-hmm. that's a little harsh think about the the quality of students who would stay too it would not be the players that you would want that's a really good point so so I'm not saying you have a you know a barrier to entry that's that's not what I think this should be but I but I have a test that will allow me to gauge how much they know so that when we do break up and break out buzzers and you know we send them off in their groups the groups are tiered and the placement test is that first piece of data that we use to determine who belongs with which group and i think a critical point ken is what you're doing is you're trying to maximize the enjoyment of that first experience for those kids uh if if you hadn't done that, those kids might end up playing against eighth graders or uh, might never come back. I've mentioned it very briefly, but my first experience with Quiz Bowl was in high school where I showed up and I played against like seniors and juniors who absolutely thrashed me by being like, oh, uh, are you talking about uh, you know Mount McKinley? They got it on like the fifth word. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not smart enough for this. And then I never came back until now as a teacher. Um so all of this, you know, placement test stuff is really there to help students to have the best experience possible. Like every single video game that you've ever played that has you play against someone else uses some form of like ranked matchmaking so that if you're a beginner, you play against another beginner. If you're very, very advanced and you've played hundreds of games, you play against someone more experienced. And the goal there is to have everybody have a good experience. And that's what we want for kids in their first couple of days. I think... Uh, something that for me is a really big uh, like push at the beginning of the year is I try to pick questions that are as fun as possible as far as at the bottom of the difficulty curve as I can at, at as possible. Um, like Ken, I know you you um, probably you might remember the A and the B packets that I set up where they're just like very simple questions, like 20 questions, and then the A person pairs up with the B person and they read each other the questions. And all of the answer lines are something like Mount Everest, the Nile River, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, New Year's Day, like things that they're like, oh, I definitely know what that is. Um, And the goal is for students to be like, oh, you know what? I actually know some of these things and get that first feedback cycle going of like, hey, I knew this, but I didn't know this part. Let me write that down. Yeah. So don't don't use a placement test as a barrier to entry. And I, I, I understand that's not what real Quiz Bowl is. Quiz Bowl isn't a, a paper and pencil thing or a Google Form thing. But all we're lo- using it for is data and just as a starting point. Mm-hmm. 
and that's why I highly encourage it. So the placement test that we use, as I said, is 143 questions. I believe it is either 13 topics and 11 questions per topic or the other way around 11 topics and 13 questions per per topic can can i put I, you I on the, which can i put you on the spot go ahead if a coach were to email you and ask you for the placement test would you share a copy of it with them i don't see why not i i, I yeah i don't i don't see why not because they're just naqt level questions they're just quiz bowl questions that i that i found online and so I either, you know, give them the, there are some questions where it's the for 10 points part. And there are some questions where it's the, the opening line for power, you know, so, uh, you know, if the, if the answer is Andy Warhol, I'm either, the question's either going to be who painted Campbell soup cans, or it might say, um, studio is called the factory, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, <clears throat> but everything's worth a point. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't weight things differently because i feel like they'll all even out and and i also tell them for this placement test if they don't know an answer part of what i want to see is can they make an educated guess so if the question is looking for a a russian author are they going to give let's say the answer is um uh, alexander solzhenitsyn and maybe some of my 18 players can get that but can anyone at least give me a Russian author? Can they say Dostoevsky or Tolstoy or Check something off. like that? Or are they just writing Smith or are they just leaving it blank? Because mm-hmm. that's information for me too. So I tell them there's there's no penalty for wrong answers. And part of what we're looking for are educated guesses. And they're, they're taking this on their, their Chromebooks. And I also tell them there's no there's no benefit to cheating. Mm-hmm. You, you think you're going to put one over on us by cheating and, and, and filling in all these answers. And then that first day where we're breaking up in, into, you know, groups and you're with one of the top groups and you don't answer anything. We're going to find out pretty quickly that you're not as smart as, you know, this test said you were, and we're now calling into question your integrity. So mm-hmm. that's, those are, two strikes against you already so there is there is absolutely no benefit to cheating on this test and i will say over the six or seven years that we've done this i think i might have suspicions about one person in those six or seven years and that person shall remain nameless uh, of course and needless to say they were never on any team that went to nationals or anything like that because we quickly found out yeah, they don't they don't actually know what they're talking about mm-hmm. so they can email four ten points at gmail.com and get the uh placement tests just to confirm yeah i'm trying to get as much probably. utility for the coaches out there as possible <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 yeah if anyone wants it i i, I think I, I think i will um i'll share it with a with a coach as long as you know it's a legit coach and not one of my players <laughs> looking for the test ahead of time yeah that's a but good point i also give the same test every year mm-hmm. so i might have to update a question or two if there's a like a current events question i might have to update that who is but the president obama what there is yeah there was a question about <laughs> who's the vice president of the united states and um you know like obviously if the question is just who's the vice president so that doesn't need updating but if it does ask what role does Mike Pence play in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then 
that question needs to to uh, to go by the wayside. Nowadays, mostly same... he tweets, I think. <laughs> but I do ask the same questions every year, in the hopes that the I see growth mm-hmm. from six to seven, from from seven to eight, and I don't expect the returning players to remember all of these questions. They might remember one or two. And I also don't give them answers. I don't yeah. read through, hey, these were the answers to the questions because, you know, they know them or they don't. They'll, they'll find out mm-hmm. through their course of studying them. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. So that's what, the, that's what we do for the first meeting. Um, what about meeting with the parents? That's also an important meeting that we try to have yes. happen towards the beginning of the year. Yes, uh, if your team travels, you know, if you if you know you you have um, you have commitments to tournaments around the region, parents can really be your biggest ally in in all of this because they can help coordinate uh, rides, they can help coordinate meals. Um, the parents of our quiz bowl players have helped our program immensely and really helped elevate it from you know when we started it was just a nice club for kids to do after school to like really this this awesome experience for all kids they help organize all of our social events we have halloween parties and christmas parties um end of year parties and and the parents are integral for that when we host our tournaments the parents coordinate all of the donations that come in for any food that we receive, uh, for providing lunch for staff or, or for our players. We used to do breakfast for our players. And all of that comes from the parents. So it is important that you keep them in the loop on, on everything that's going on and starting off the year by introducing you to them and letting them know just what kind of mayhem their kids have gotten them into, <laughs> I think is I think is really important. So when I meet with the parents at the beginning of the year, I tell them what our schedule is like. Basically, it's it's very similar to the first meeting with the kids. You know, I tell them what our schedule is like. I tell them what our what our practice uh, our practices are like. I tell them what's what tournaments we're likely going to, so they can mark them in their calendar so they don't accidentally book a vacation for a weekend or a, a trip to visit relatives for a weekend. And I do explain to them about the commitment. And I also say something to them that I think is very important because you guys know as well as I do, sometimes you can't bring all of your players. If you have a large program like us, you know, you might have for a tournament you host, you might have 10 teams. But when you go to a regional tournament, they can't they don't have the infrastructure for 10 teams. They'll say, "Okay, you can bring three or you can bring four. And it's up to you as a coach to decide who gets to go. And what I tell the players is exactly what I tell the parents. When it comes to picking a roster, we have to pick our best and most dedicated players and the players that we feel are going to embody the positive culture of our team so those are the things we're looking for like are you one of our better players are you one of our most dedicated players and will you promote the positive culture of our team because we can't we can't bring everybody 
And so if a parent does ask, hey, how come my kid wasn't on the trip to New Jersey or Pennsylvania or something like that? I can say, well, we were only allowed to bring five teams and your child doesn't doesn't come to every practice or they come, but they don't always have their notebook or, you know, like, yeah, they they do come a lot, but, you know, they're they're still they're still developing as a player mm-hmm. and it's you know it's a tough decision that we have to make but it is our job it is our job to make those decisions to make those rosters to make those um you know to have those those conversations sometimes with players and their parents and i remember one time after this meeting i had a parent come up to me and thank me for being so honest and and having such candor when when i was discussing this they said they said it was refreshing (laughs) Mm -hmm. like okay i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad you think that way um and they they understood like hey you know if if our kid doesn't get picked they you know they don't get picked and it gives them something to work at Mm -hmm. and you know let's 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 be honest if this were a you know if we were if we were producing a play if we were if this was the school play we're not just going to give the lead to anybody we're going to give the lead to the the best singer and dancer and actor and the person that's the most dedicated and the person that they think that can make everybody around them better. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with us. You know, hey, we, we only have 20 spots that we can fill. We're going to fill them with the people that deserve it, the people that have been coming. It, look, we practice every day and, and I, I get that, everybody. I get we're crazy. We, we are crazy. In fact, Andrew, you've been testing to see if you can get to school early so next week you can you can come into the library and work with our kids in the morning because they're there every morning at 7.15. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're knocking on the door. They want to come and they want to do Quiz Bowl every single day. Our first day of school was August 29th, and there were kids in the library with the ready to go setting the buzzers up every single day. And I understand that there are some players that can only come once a week. And that's fine. We want them to come. But if I now have to choose between, you know, there's one roster spot left and there's the kid that shows up every day and the kid that comes once a week, I'm going to give it to the player that shows up every day because they've earned it. And so the advice for players is be that person. Show your dedication. If you can't make it every day, then show your dedica- dedication in any number of other ways. You can come to practice prepared. You can uh, talk about the things that you've been studying uh, in your own free time. Uh, you can just show in practice that you have been working on your own. Um, there's a lot of different ways for you to make sure that you get that spot if that's something you're really motivated to get. Especially at the beginning of the year. I would say at the beginning of the year, a lot of people are sluggish. And uh, if you hit the ground running, then you've you've already gotten an advantage. So, Mr. T, you um, you recently told me that you're on a wait list for something called the Learned League. Yeah. What, it, is, what is that? Uh, so this connects to a point, which is uh, one of the things that I want to talk about for uh, starting the year off right, I think, is more than just doing Quiz Bowl. I think uh, if you're interested in doing Quiz Bowl, you should look for opportunities to like expand your horizons in any way you possibly can. Uh, if there's other 
like trivia based challenges that's fantastic that's like extremely specific if there's other opportunities for you to learn about things then just go for those things uh and i had heard a little bit about this uh league of trivia that has a, a pretty regular schedule of competition uh sending people questions every single day seeing how you fare against other people uh, and kind of giving you a rank and letting you move up uh, and i thought it was a really really awesome opportunity uh it's something that i would probably only recommend to captains or coaches at this point because the spots are so scarce uh for example i was very happy to get uh, number 606 on the wait list and hopefully sometime in october uh, i may hear back and potentially have a spot um but uh, from the, what I've read about and what I've heard about from the people who are in it, it sounds like the Learned League is something that is a, a really, really valuable uh, way to just have that daily practice. Uh, and I know that for me personally as a coach, one of the things that I strive to be is just uh, to know more things and be faster. Uh, and I think doing something like this where I push myself to do a little bit every day uh, is going to be for me one of the ways for me to start the year and make sure that I'm better than I was last year. So I'll keep everyone updated on my 606 weight spot. Uh, big shout out to Michael Barecki, who of course runs the uh, Connecticut Quiz Bowl. I'm going to get the last word wrong, Ken. Alliance. 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 Uh, uh, he does a fantastic job over there. And obviously a lot of tournaments in Connecticut would not run half as well without him. Um, and uh, he was the one who referred me. So I'm not saying you should bug him, but you might know someone on Twitter who's in the Quizbowl community or one of your alumni or something like that that's that's pretty connected, and they might be able to connect you to what I think is a really cool, interesting opportunity. But it doesn't have to be the Learned League. It could be something like your school has a Model UN that meets on Mondays and Quizbowl meets on Tuesdays. So your players that play in the Model UN uh, will be better when it comes to things like, you know, international diplomacy. Um, and I think that just understanding that all the things that you do in life will make you better at Quiz Bowl, uh, the more of a varied and interesting person you are with a variety of pursuits and interests, the better you'll be at Quiz Bowl. I think that that is something that I can get behind 100%. You know what else would make you good at Quiz Bowl? Or better at Quiz Bowl. Or better at Quiz Bowl. You know what else would make you better at Quiz Bowl? Uh, I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Powering questions. <laughs> yes. Powering questions always helps. How can I, but how can I power more questions, Ken? I think this episode's buzz phrase might help. Perfect. The guys at For 10 Points want to help you answer for 15 points. Power a question with this episode's Buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase comes from the 2014 Scop Novice Packet. In Judaism, one of these creatures is a transformed man named Enoch, and another creature of this type stood in the way of Balaam's donkey. Two of these creatures visited Lot's home before the destruction of Sodom. The question does go on to mention Michael and Gabriel by name, and that they are often wearing halos. The answer, of course, is angels. Now, having a Bible expert on the team can be a huge advantage and will certainly help give you a fighting chance on questions such as this if you're playing against the Catholic school, for sure. The story of Balaam's donkey appears in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, 
and a Bible expert will likely be able to get that answer from that clue. So in order to beat them to the buzz here, you need to know about Enoch. Enoch is not mentioned prominently in the Christian Bible. Genesis does mention that Enoch is the son of Jared and the father of Methuselah, who is the oldest living person in the Bible at 969 years. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says, quote, By faith Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. There's no mention of him being transformed to an angel in the Old Testament. So unless someone is well-versed in other Jewish scripture, they're likely to let that clue go by. So here's a little bit of, uh, more information on Enoch. As Christianity.com puts it, according to these writings, Enoch was taken to heaven without dying, where he was transformed into the angel Metatron, not Megatron, Metatron, and placed on a throne next to God's throne. He became second only to God in terms of power, wisdom, and glory, and other and all, um, and all the other angels obeyed him. According to legend, Metatron is part of a select group of angels who are allowed to look upon God's countenance. He is a heavenly scribe as well as an advocate or heavenly priest for the people and a mediator between Israel and God. So if you hear a question that mentions Enoch or Metatron, you don't need divine inspiration. You can buzz in and say angels. One of the ways that I know Ken is a math teacher uh, is that as he was uh, reading that buzz phrase, uh, he had actually written, you can buzz in and say angles. Uh, and I edited it on the fly so that he did not say angles. And are, I, I would have made, made some kind of joke about, oh, that's really acute, Ken. You know, uh, are, don't are you be so obtuse. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, shout out to Calvin Johnson on the, uh, you know, uh, Detroit Lions, uh, who also is named Megatron. Uh, and, uh, you know, be not afraid to buzz in. That's all I got. Uh, sorry, I jumped on your joke. I should have known you were going, you were going to go run the whole gamut. Well, you know. Uh, we can't always be right, Ken. Sorry, it's just a reflex. <laughs> is that a kind of angle? I don't know if reflex is an angle. <laughs> I, I know right. I don't know reflex. <laughs> Straight up, man. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> okay. All right. Uh, with that, uh, this has been for 10 points, the best podcast on the web for everything quizable related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, hopefully we have helped you get better. I am Andrew Triago, signing off for my co-coach, Ken Romeo. We'll see you guys next time.